0: Welcome to the field goals podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Today on the show, Nathan Santo back on the podcast and we are talking about the mock game between the Seahawks first team and the Seahawks second team. Uh, Unfortunately, they played less than a half a football and uh, I don't even think they're playing full quarters uh, based on some of the stats that I was seeing. So we will talk about the mock game and talk about some interesting Seahawks transactions over the weekend. Nathan, welcome back to the show.
1: And thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here.
0: Hey, I, you know, I was hoping we would be able to talk about this mock game uh, with a little bit more depth. Uh, you no, know,
1: that's not that's not true. The thing you were hoping to talk about was that the Seahawks are trading for Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> admit it. It's you can admit yeah, it.
0: That was <laughs> now when I talked to you. What was that last Tuesday? I think I where, know, like, we were we were the, going back and forth on text, and yeah, that was that was the thing then. I'm over that now. We maybe we hit it at the end if if we're you know if we've gotten through everything else. But
1: okay. uh, it's a it's a you know it, it warms your heart when you hear we might get a new defensive lineman. You're like <laughs> oh my gosh, finally, please. <laughs> I'm I'm still holding out hope that Clowney comes back, man. Oh, it's, it's, anything really, yeah. <laughs> Clowney, um get Michael Bennett out of retirement. Yeah, uh, snack, something, Snacks Harrison, just and anybody depth. They I mean, need just just depth. I There's, mean. A, when Geno Smith is going eight of eight in the mock game,
0: I look at that stat line and I go, okay, really? Our defensive line, uh, couldn't, couldn't
1: force Gino into one incompletion. Geno Gino Smith is a legend. Okay. I, I will not accept this, uh, this Gino Smith's slander here. Uh, the Seahawks would be totally fine. No, they would not be fine if Geno. said, but he did go eight and eight his rookie year. So, I mean, uh, he's got that going for him, which yeah. is nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, he did have 12 touchdowns versus 21 interceptions, but I'll just ignore that. Pretend like that didn't happen. That
0: was, that was, that
1: was a long time ago. It it was, um, but, but I mean, everything was a long time ago. March seems like a long time ago now. It's like, I'm just like, I'm nostalgic about things that happened like last October. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> see, see it through rose colored glasses. So, well, you know, yeah. I was
0: just thinking about that, but you know, as of Sunday, we're three weeks out from the start of football.
1: I know it's crazy. It it's, and then the thing that I think is, is it feels accelerated because all the buildup stuff that we normally get, right, is mm-hmm. just not happening this year. Like there's no preseason games. There's no – like the beat reporters have been silenced. Uh, so like there's no – the, the buildup is just completely different this year. It feels like it's sneaking up on you, right? Like the, the season is just going to pounce on you at any moment. They're so. so silenced that they're getting scooped by
0: the team and people who decode the videos like me – like the DK Metcalf touchdown that the Seahawks put out. You could watch that video and see the Seahawks starting lineup because Russell Wilson said that that he hit DK Metcalf on the opening drive. I guess they completed a bunch of uh, third downs on that particular drive. But you go back, you watch the video, you see Dwayne Brown at left tackle, you see Ethan Posick snapping the ball right next mm-hmm. to uh, Mikey Potty. And then later on toward the end, as they're celebrating the touchdown, you can see... Brandon Shell in the background coming in late to congratulate DK and you see Damian Lewis in there as well. So we we kind of have the idea of the starting lineup and none of the beat reporters could actually report
1: on that. What I hear you saying is that you broke this, this 30 sec No, it's not even 30 seconds. I want to look. It's it's, it's 16 seconds. seconds. <laughs> it's, 16. it's 16 seconds. <laughs> Clip you we you're saying that you also broke it down like it was the Zapruder film like you're just sitting <laughs> was there all like, we had Nathan pa- was- <laughs> you're pausing it every set every like frame to see like, I okay. literally
0: I literally did go frame by frame just just to make sure that I I knew because well as soon as it was snapped you could see it was seventy seven Ethan Posick but you had yeah. to, you had to go frame by frame to get the other two linemen
1: right and then you're looking at the defensive lineman you're like okay that's Jaron Reed and uh, he ran a stunt with uh, with ninety three yeah. So- <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's like just breaking it down. You know, Brandon gotta, Jackson, like, really, yeah. Gotta gotta get in there. Uh yeah, No, uh, hey, that wasn't Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed's back in ninety. That was that was LJ Collier. That's LJ Collier playing DT. You're right. Yeah. It is. All right. Well, um, it didn't go good for them on that play, so <laughs> no. in particular. So yeah, I took a few notes. I wrote down three things I liked and three things I disliked from the from, from the, the mock 16 game. seconds? From what I no, from from the, like what I know about the mock game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, you know, this I, I, I that's all I could get. It's, I, I can only think of three of each yeah. thing. I couldn't, couldn't get much more. The only things that I could,
0: that I could find on takeaways were the, the Seahawks.com takeaways that we saw John Boyle put out. And then we saw Paul Gallant from 710 ESPN. So I guess maybe those are the two since 710 ESPN is like the official radio channel. Maybe they're sanctioned to put it out.
1: He said there was six takeaways, but one of the takeaways was Gino Smith was on fire. So that's really only five takeaways because that one doesn't count. That's that's like a. Uh, yeah, whatever. we're talking
0: about John Boyle there. See, this is the team <laughs> hype. I don't I don't even know how much we can put into these six.
1: Right. And they're, they're like really hyping up DJ Dallas. And I'm like, yeah, if DJ, if all the running backs are healthy, DJ Dallas is pretty buried on the depth chart, right? Like if Carson comes back from, uh, you know, he has the personal issues, right? Like the, the family stuff going on, he comes back. I mean, then we got him and Carlos Hyde, and then when Penny comes back from his injury, which you know, fingers crossed, will happen eventually, because he was looking like he was picking up steam towards the end of last season. Like, where does Dallas even find playing time on this team? I mean, I'm glad that he's he's a good pass catcher. That's cool. That's a guy. It's a useful player to have around. But I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the the points they're making. It's like they're still hiding stuff. You know what I mean? Right. They're, yeah, they're giving I- us they're giving us nuggets, but it's like the things that. That they don't care if the Falcons know. (laughs) They're still hyping up CJ Poseis and he's not even on the team. (laughs) They kept doing it. right, right (laughs) to the bitter end. So So what were your three takeaways then? Okay, so three things I liked. Okay, so people, I want to know, like, are they letting Russ cook, right? So I looked up. Last year, the average Seahawks drive had 2.76 passes. Oh. He ran two drives for 13 passes. That's six and a half passes a drive. That's like way more than two point seven six. And the 7, second 6. one was
0: cut short because Brandon Jackson got hurt.
1: I don't know if that's actually, uh, you know, because they're both touchdown. Or one was a touchdown drive and one was cut short. I don't know if that actually is a fair stat, but uh, I'm just going to pretend like it is. Uh, Jason Myers automatic made all of his kicks.
0: Yeah. Wow. Two PATs, forty yard field goal.
1: I don't know if you know this. It's a running gag on my pop my podcast, where I just make a joke that Jason Myers makes every kick. <laughs> And I just pretend every time he misses, I'm like, I didn't see it. I don't know what you're talking never, about.
0: So you've never watched Myers miss a kick?
1: Well, I mean, as far as I know, I I kind of black it out. You know, like uh, so <laughs> my brain just shuts off for a minute. And then uh, Nick Ballor got a catch, which is great because if we're going to carry a fullback for like the fifth consecutive year, yeah, he should those, do something. In those three snaps a game, he better get a catch every once in a while. So I was really happy about that. Uh, the three things I didn't like: um, the beer reporters can't do their jobs. That's uh-huh. bad. Um, I feel bad for those guys. Like. What's like, like a Ben Arthur or like uh, Corbin Smith, like what are those guys, they just sit there and they can't say anything like that's their job, you know, like me and you, I, I like people probably know, like we have like other jobs, you know, this is something we do kind of on the side. Those guys, that's their whole job. Yeah. It's like they need to know a lot about the football team and like what's going on, the inner workings of the football team and they can't even report on it. That's just got to suck.
0: Yeah, they can just know. And yeah. that that's a little bit weird.
1: I, it started like I think feel like Kyle Shanahan was the first coach I heard about, like just really hiding everything. And then now, I mean, Bill probably was doing it, too, because he's the, the Darth Vader of the NFL. But now everyone's doing it. You know, every team is kind of covering up what's obf, obfuscating what's going on in their camp. My other thing I didn't like, Pete said the offensive line pass protection looked good. Well, of course it did. Have you seen the players that we have available to play defensive line? That is like a meaningless that I was so mad about that. Uh huh. And then the other thing I didn't like is that the game had to end early due to like a injury to to Brandon Jackson. That sucks. That yeah. sucks for for him. It sucks for the the team that really throws off the like the mojo, you know, and then and then you got to hope that Brandon's OK there. Because, I mean, we don't have a lot of defensive linemen on our team and uh, and, you know, that's just like a crappy way. But it sounds like he's doing good. Like yeah. he's out of the hospital. Everything seems to be trending in the right direction. So I'm glad that's really good news.
0: Tyler Lockett had the most catches on the day with four, but then Aaron Fuller was number two. It sounded like he was Geno Smith's go-to
1: target. I I saw a picture. Kyle Kyle Fuller, right? Aaron, wait, Aaron, Aaron no, Fuller? Aaron Fuller. Kyle hey.
0: Fuller is the center who just got suspended.
1: But Kyle Fuller is what they put on the graphic on the on the on the um tweet. Just so you know. Oh, really? Yeah, for the a... for the receiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's a typo, <laughs> but like that's why I wanted. That's to so say confusing
0: because Kyle. I think Kyle Fuller, and I think of the Bears' corner, but right. we actually have a center on our own team named Kyle Fuller, and right. he's the dude that got suspended two games. And his Aaron
1: Fuller is the one who got the receptions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and he that, caught it apparently over Shaquille Griffin. So I have a I have a conspiracy. You know, I you know I love conspiracy theories. Conspiracy, Nathan. That's yeah. me. Uh, I think that there's like a weird thing going on here where they're trying to make it unclear who the good. Wide receivers are on our team right now, so that they can hide them onto the practice squad. Mm. Like so, like like they talk up all week about who's the guy they've been talking about, Cody Thompson. They yeah. talk him up all week in camp. And then now here comes Aaron Fuller getting all the catches, and the other guy doesn't even make the stat sheet. What's going on? Who's good? Who's not good? We don't know. Now we can sneak them both onto the practice squad. Like I feel like there's like some gamesmanship going on there which I appreciate. I like it.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's supposed to be what's behind a lot of the silencing of the beat reporters too, is they don't want guys being talked up to the point where I guess other teams get the idea that they would just go out and get them. I, that seems kind of weird to me. I think you would go off of your scouting reports, not training camp beat Beat writer reports of, Ooh, this guy looks good. Maybe that's where we're
1: at. That's I mean, in in this day and age, that's maybe all they have, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's 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 tough out there. They, We're not going to go off of what our scouts think.
0: We're going to go off of beat reporters who you know aren't professional scouts, but hey,
1: but they know a lot about football. So sure. you know, it's good enough for it's good enough for some teams, I'm sure. What are some like really bad franchises that you know the the, the Browns probably love it? Uh, <laughs> that's probably too mean. Sorry, sorry, Browns fan who's listening to this. Yeah, they're they're used to it. It's fine. Yeah, the I one thing too I was interested in like I would have been interested to know how much did we play two tight ends because there's a lot of tight ends on our roster right now, and like Greg Olson got two catches and apparently looked really good. Uh, Hollister got a catch and a touchdown, but like did we run a lot of two tight end sets? or was a lot of uh you know eleven personnel, three wide receivers, uh two tight ends, one running back. You know I I don't know I want I'm that's the stuff I'm really curious about and it's the stuff I'll never get to know. Yeah, you want to break <laughs> down the tape. And have like the all
0: 22 of the mock game. And yeah, I did just, see a picture that apparently there was a control room that would have been able to feed all of this information out to us, but yeah, but don't, happen.
1: don't worry. Now they'll be able to sneak, uh, someone onto the practice squad that they wouldn't have before. Thank so,
0: goodness, Cody Thompson can make the practice squad.
1: Yes. I'm so excited. So great.
0: But Aaron be, Fuller, the the three catches on the stat sheet that can help, you know, fuel that draft or that uh, preseason crush thing that I know that we all like to have.
1: Well, he went to UW, too, right? So that's got to be uh, the local the local uh, the local guy making good. Everyone loves that. Right. So that, that was why I think that's part of why I think the the hype went so mm-hmm. far for some of our previous preseason darlings like Cason um, Williams. Casey Williams. Yeah, I feel like that was part of the hype, right? He went to Washington and it was like, ooh, Washington, you know. Yeah, but gets- he
0: was actually really good in the preseason, too. Don't don't pretend I'm, that he just wasn't good.
1: I'm not going to pretend he wasn't good, but I mean, he wasn't like as good as I don't know. He was like a fringe roster guy. He, he was right where he should be right yeah. on the bubble. Yeah. And uh, he didn't go anywhere and light it up after he left. Seattle. no, no that that's what that's how you would know you screwed up. If the guy you cut the guy and then he goes on to uh, become like a solid NFL starter. The, yeah, uh, we've had that happen a couple times yeah it's uh it's occasionally uh, a thing i'm i uh i don't want to i don't think about it too much The uh, it's it's worse with the mariners than it is with the seahawks <laughs> that, that is true
0: so. well nathan let's hit the break and afterward let's talk about some of those seahawks that have gone elsewhere and uh, a couple of guys who have not done as well away from seattle as they did in seattle earl thomas one of those big ones we're going to talk about him coming up next Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest joining the show today to talk a little bit about the mock game between the Seahawks and the first team and second teamers. But uh, there was a big story that came up over the weekend. Earl Thomas, who went to the Baltimore Ravens, signed a big contract with them. He is now out of Baltimore, cut from the team after punching a teammate. And uh, the Ravens said that was conduct detrimental to the team. Hard to argue with that. And now he's going to be looking for a job.
1: Yeah, one of their beat writers said it was like a little bit more than that too. He said that uh, that he also was like, you know, showing up late to meetings Walking and out of meetings, uh, very, very adversarial towards other people, and it was like a lot of things, not just the one, the the one little, you know, the one transgression, and that was kind of like the breaking point. Sure, where they were like, we got to get this guy out of uh, out of our locker room, and now other teams are just like rejecting him. You know, there there's like a, a rumor that. Cowboys are not interested uh, they asked a uh, wide receiver for the Texans if they wanted to or uh, Kenny Stills if they yeah, wanted him Kenny and Stills still, said no nah, I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, I saw that Deshaun Watson was down though Deshaun Watson put out a tweet saying that like he supports Earl and that he's always been a good brother to oh, him okay. and stuff like that like it's like one of those like generic like hey I support you man yeah but, but I think like Sherman that.
0: had something similar too
1: yeah. Sherman had a, like, a, this is my brother and uh, you, you guys don't understand what it's like. I mean, Earl Thomas had a weird off season. He's definitely winning the Antonio Brown award of 2020. So I don't think that the fact that Earl's kind of like a competitive psychopath is, it's not new news. It shouldn't mean new news to anyone, right? This is the guy who yelled at Cliff Averill for eating sunflower seeds and was all over Cam Chancellor in the media for holding out. Wasn't and he like, pissed
0: at Bobby Wagner at some point yep, too?
1: And yelled at yelled at Bobby Wagner. Said you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Yeah. um He went into the opposing locker room and told him to come get him. You know, like he he's been a a he's just a he's a he's a weird different cat, right? He's yeah, a different you didn't cat. even mention flipping off the sideline, which was. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I I know everyone knows about that one, right? <laughs> I felt like I, I feel could like leave that, that one, one was pretty public, yeah. Out. But uh, it's just it's. It's tough. Like he is that—that is who he is, right? He's just a really hyper-competitive guy who acts acts his feelings out immediately, right? He just acts his feelings out, and that's um, Pete's good at managing strong personalities, right? And he lands in Baltimore, where maybe that's not the case. Maybe they don't have a culture that allows strong personalities like that to flourish, and he burns all the bridges on his way out, right? Right. So, so it—it is what it is. What I think is interesting is that how it seems like the league is nobody's dying to get him. He is undeniably a super talented football player. And, uh, and it's, it's hard for me to believe that he's just going to, to strike out unless he says something like, I'm only willing to play for $11 million still. Then yeah, maybe he does strike out, but if he's willing to take even a moderate pay cut down to like eight, 9 million, he's 100%. Someone is going to, to sign him. He's going to be on the jets or something this year. Somebody's Sooner. gonna get him.
0: Yeah. I and you know, even the Chiefs, that might be a spot where he lands because they were looking to <laughs> offer him a one year deal before he took the multi year deal with Baltimore.
1: The Chiefs have made me believe that the salary cap is completely fake because yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the offseason, they said the Chiefs have $143 in salary cap room. And I go, Oh man, they're not gonna be able to sign resign Chris Jones, they're not gonna be able to resign anybody. They signed Mahomes to like a five hundred million dollar contract. They they re-signed Chris Jones and they just signed they Sammy Watkins, wasn't it? They, they just keep signing people, and it's like, how do the salary cap's not real? It's uh, it's a figment of my imagination. How do we not have Javion Clowney? <laughs> <laughs> if the salary cap is fake, how come we can't do get some of that? So, yeah, I don't know. It's somewhat yeah right. Chiefs, he might land on the Chiefs, and I think that if he's gonna take a pay cut going to a team that was in the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl last year is probably a uh, pretty high on his priority list because he he cares a lot about winning. That is what is really really important to him.
0: Yeah, I did hear somebody make the joke that uh, going to Philly and the city of uh, brotherly love made a lot of
1: sense. That I mean, from that perspective, yes. And I mean, from a roster constructed perspective, it makes sense too. But but the brother part definitely, <laughs> definitely the brother part for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did, did uh. Is it kind of like, so one of the things I always like to talk about with Antonio Brown is that, I mean, he's, he's undeniably very talented at football and also a a little bit loose, screws loose upstairs. One play, like when he got hit by Vontaze Perfect, it all seemed to go downhill from there. Is Derek Henry pushing over Earl Thomas that moment for him where like it just spiraled everything out of control? Like he couldn't handle how that became a meme and it just like mentally just caused him to start to unravel. I don't think so. I don't think you could point to that because there's been some things that you could point to before that moment. But Derrick Henry turned him into a blocker on that play. <laughs> right. Like he grabbed him and pushed him into another player on his own team. Like he made him into his lead blocker. Yeah. That's pretty uh that's pretty probably nice Earl Thomas's I don't want to see
0: Earl go out that way. I he needs to come back to a team and and do some positive things.
1: Okay, I have a question for you like right now just as his as he stands right now let's say no team signs him he, that's not going to happen but let's or I'll say he just never has a huge impact no more pro bowls does does he make the hall of fame do you think with his current mm. resume with his he, it's borderline right that's i think so too i think it's right on the edge I, I think it's really likely but thing is he doesn't have crazy counting stats like a lot of the but it, but he has like all of the success measures right like yeah, all, all the pros all pros and pro and bowls uh, yeah Exactly. Like all the success measures are there. It's just like he doesn't have like an insane amount of like interceptions and fumbles force like so a lot of
0: guys. Yeah, and I don't think that's huge. I think although I guess that's why Eric Weddles always seems to be in the conversation as, you know, potential Hall of Famers and uh but Earl was part of the all decade team. I, I see him. I, I see I, him likely getting in.
1: I think so too. I think he's gonna make it and then uh getting get him's name in the Ring of Honor and uh all that stuff, so there's a tweet I saw today. I think it was Aaron Levine. He said that Earl, I want re, Earl to resign for the Seahawks for a one day contract so he can retire as a Seahawk. Mm. And I was like, it's like he'll always be a, a Seahawk, even if he doesn't sign a one day contract. That one day contract thing is weird to me.
0: It's weird. Yeah.
1: I, I thought Matt
0: Hasselbeck said he was going to do that or that he wanted to do that. And why haven't we made that happen yet? I mean, why do we need to
1: do it? He, he'll well, if won't he Hasselbeck wants to always, do it,
0: then he should be allowed to
1: isn't Matt Hasselbeck always going to be a Seahawk yeah, to you? Like, yeah. I mean, that's it's the a thing. Sim- like, I feel like it's a
0: symbolic thing for the players so they can say that I retired as a member of the Seahawks.
1: I guess that's, that's fair. That's but fair. But for
0: fans, I don't think it should matter.
1: All right. Well, that's all I have to say about Earl, <laughs> Earl Thomas. It's just a, just a wild, crazy yeah. off season for him. And, uh, hopefully he tur- I'm going to hope that he turns it around unless he signs with San Francisco. Then I'm going to hope that he, Submarines their, yeah. submarines their whole their whole locker room and they they win six games. Yeah, that'd be ideal. So, <laughs> uh, that's that's a
0: couple other Seahawks moving on. Malcolm Smith goes to the Browns
1: Yeah, Super Bowl MVP. I know. Do you did you so at the time, did you think that that was like a big robbery? I, I like looking back at it. I'm like, Cam Chancellor definitely should have won Super Bowl MVP. But at the time, I didn't I don't feel like I felt that way. I felt like it was fine.
0: I think that's why they should maybe make that Super Bowl MVP vote, you know, let people analyze the game a little bit more, because I think when you go back and watch it, you realize just how impactful Cam Chancellor was in that game or Cliff Averill was in that game. And it was because Malcolm Smith had the signature play and you, you shut out Peyton Manning to eight points. You give the guy on the defense who had the signature play though, right?
1: A defensive player had to have it, and he did have a good game. I'm not like denying. Oh yeah, because he
0: had the fumble recovery
1: too that uh, mm-hmm. uh, later in the later in the game, and. But it, it's just uh, like for me, it was definitely like Cam's absolute peak, like his greatest game in the unit, one of his greatest games in the uniform, and we won the Super Bowl, so. I'm just looking backwards at it. I'm sad that wasn't Cam's uh, Super Bowl MVP. I
0: know they need to retroactively award <laughs> that because like, I feel like in all of our minds as Seahawks fans, that's that's where we've kind of settled.
1: And I, I have a friend who's a big Broncos fan, and every time I if I see his car, I'll write in the dust on the car 43 to eight. So I mean, <laughs> it's given it's given me continued joy even to this day. Just to th- <laughs> I get to think about it all the time. Yeah, that that's just the thrashing we gave to the Broncos. So transitioning
0: to a future Super Bowl MVP but probably not. Joey Hunt going to the Colts.
1: He will uh, be a backup offensive lineman for them. I maybe he'll start. I mean they got Gluwinsky and they turned him into like a like a pretty solid football player, right? So maybe yeah. they've got the, the magic juice there in Indianapolis. Playing next playing on the same offensive line as Quinn Nelson probably helps. That guy's an absolute monster.
0: Yeah, so would he uh, be between Nelson and Glowinski then if he's
1: I think if they if Glancy's still their starter, yeah, then that would be the, he's on the uh, right side. I'd have to look up the Colts depth chart, but yeah, I you don't have it memorized. Correct. That's gosh. I don't, and you do, a, and you do an
0: NFL based podcast.
1: I looked it up. Yeah, he'll be between Nelson and Glancy. They actually only have one Ryan Kelly, their center, is actually pretty good. They only have one center on their roster though, so Hunt has a pretty clear path to making to making the the actual team. It's no, good, good for, for him. him. I th- I thought Joey Hunt was like a great backup. Not, not a, not a guy you ever want to start, but if you need him to start in a pinch, he'll know what you're trying to do. He'll do a, a serviceable job, but like some guys just turn him into a speed bump. It's something that happens when you're undersized like that, you yeah. know, he's just not as big as a lot of the, the premier offensive linemen in the NFL, but good, good solid backup. Uh, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for him.
0: All right. Well, as we close this out, Nathan, should we talk about in even just a little bit?
1: Um, well, we're just not. We're not you. Okay, for us to get Yannick Ngakwey, we have to completely trade out of next year's draft. Do you really think that's something we're going to do?
0: What? What if you get him for a clowny type deal?
1: Right. So we don't have that many draft picks. in. Left.
0: No, but what was it? A third and a fifth.
1: Okay, so I'm guessing that we could get him for like just a second.
0: Sure, but get him but for a second, and then you get Jacksonville to pay half a salary, like we did for Houston.
1: Right, or convert his salary into yeah. Right, they'd have to change his. Cover have to change his contract around but the the thing for for me is it's just it'd be really hard to we'd have like no draft picks next year and you that is a way to like tank your franchise just to make it makes everything so difficult um it like makes the, way
0: more sense just to sign Clowney because you probably get the better player for it's for one year and well, you don't have to give up draft picks
1: another thing too is, is like we spent this whole off season signing Leo's and playing like, so I mean, what are we going to eat Ngakwe is going to play Leo. And then, so we also have to play that to play the same position we have, we signed Benson, Mayoa and Bruce Ervin. So we have all these guys and we can't play them. It's, it's hard on our defense to play them together. We'll have problems stopping the run like we did last year. Cause our, our offensive line would be, our defensive line would be kind of undersized on the edges. I, I, uh,
0: or they could have just signed Everson Griffin for 7 mil, you know, 1 million more than the Cowboys did. And,
1: and I don't really don't want to think about that. The, this offseason has kind of been frustrating from that perspective because, like, guys are getting traded. Like, Calais Campbell trade. Yeah. Like, you look at that trade. Klaise Campbell is have done someone that. I've had infinite respect for since his time on Arizona. Like, yeah. I have been all over that guy for years and I love him and I think he's so good and we couldn't have him for like a fifth rounder like yeah. we like why not us. Didn't why Jarrell not Jarrell Casey go to the Broncos for like a seventh. Right. Why can't Seahawks have Jarrell Casey like I I don't know it just it's it's frustrating. It's been a frustrating offseason because talented players have been changing teams but not to my team and uh, we did get Jamal Adams. Which is great because Jamal Adams is super good at football. Oh yeah, you know we haven't talked since because you were hyped up about this and we were gonna we were gonna break it down right after the trade went down. And uh... yes, yeah, so I was supposed, which would have been funny because I was supposed to be on with Rob, right? And he hated the, the compensation or yeah. he didn't, and I, I I was fine with it. So I would have <laughs> been funny to get in an argument. But okay. I'm just fine with the compensation. It's good. Jamal Adams is a good, really good football player and you have to pay a premium price to get that. We have him under control for two years. So it's not like he can leave after one year, like what happened with Clowney. Yeah. He can just it, talk uh, his
0: way out. I'd like you to put the jets, but,
1: Right. He could, he could tank his value, but I don't think he's going to do that. Doing that twice is like career suicide. Basically nobody's going to give you the contract you want. If you do that multiple times, it's like kind of like a ticket. You turn in once every 10 years or so, (laughs) but, but, uh, but he's just, he's in a good, he's in a good position to succeed. He's honestly in a good spot. The Seahawks have a lot of cap room coming up to re-sign him. So if he plays good in the uniform, there's no reason we're not going to get him back. And so, I don't know. I like it. I mean, it's, it's a steep price, but Jamal Adams is a field tilting football player. He's super unique. He, no matter where he lines up on the field, he's successful. And one thing when you watch his tape that you, that you'll see and other people have probably already seen is that he has the, like this uncanny ability to diagnose exactly what the offense is going to do. He looks at the opposing offensive line and he'll start pointing and stuff. And then all of a sudden he'll do something that, you probably shouldn't even try to do, but he has diagnosed what they're doing so precisely that he's going to like shoot a gap and 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 go in a way that no one should and make a huge play and he's just a big play machine and because of that, and he's he's really smart, he's really talented um his only knock is that like sometimes he takes weird uh, like he takes more steps than he should when he's in coverage, but mm. like, so he he gets air a little slower, but I think that that's something Pete can clean up to be honest with you that's uh secondary footwork is like the Seahawks calling card. And if that's like the thing that they fix with him and then now he's, he's just like complete, there's nothing he can't do. And one thing I like about the roster as constructed right now is that they've got Adams, Blair and digs, all of these guys can play multiple positions. And then the the offense doesn't really know they can have all those guys kind of start towards the line of scrimmage and then move after the, like, you know, towards closer to when the play is starting. And for a guy like Jared Goff, who needs the coach in his ear to break down the play for him, that's going to be incredibly difficult for him to deal with because he's got, does not know where any of these players are going to do once he starts executing his play. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I think that, I think that our, division in particular, like has these high powered offenses with kind of mediocre quarterbacks other than obviously our quarterback (laughs) is real good. (laughs) But like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is very good. I don't think Jared Goff is that good. And I, Kyler Murray's young. I think that he has potential to be really good. good. But right now he's young and he's going to struggle, have some struggles. And so put making our defense harder for those guys is to, to deal with is something that I think will be really beneficial. And And then the last thing is, is that we've seen teams like new England do this over the years, which is that you can scheme a little bit of your pass rush, right? You can use scheme to create a little bit of pass rush, but you cannot scheme coverage. It's just not possible. Guys can either cover guys or they can't, you know? And so for us to pick up so much secondary talent in one off season, I think is a huge step forward for this defense comparative to last year. Like, uh, you know, Quentin Dunbar and Jamal Adams joining with Diggs and flowers And Blair and uh, Griffin, this is like a premier secondary, maybe the very best secondary in the entire league. And you can't really scheme like to these guys can just cover, you know, and they can and they can attack the the offense in interesting ways. So, yes, it's a steep price to pay, but I'm completely fine with it because I see I can kind of see what they're trying to do. Right. You see the plan and and what they're trying to execute. And I don't know, maybe that's what it took because other teams were in on this on jamal adams it wasn't right. like we were the only team that was going for him this is an all pro safety first team all pro that he was very desired by other teams in the league so i'm i'm pumped about the deal i don't know if, if that came across but I'm <laughs> a su- little bit a little bit I'm you got su- me
0: fired up at the, the start of the season is just three weeks away so this is this is good uh, we just need the steady ramp up now for the next couple of weeks
1: the back seven of this defense is incredibly exciting. Like, I don't see how anyone could look at this and not just be—I mean, Jordan Brooks, guys, Jordan Brooks—that's a dude. Like that, <laughs> just start getting excited now. Did you
0: see those pictures? The his first Seahawks, uh, the first photos of him in a Seahawks uniform.
1: Yeah, the jersey ones where he's flexing and stuff. Yeah. and then yeah, he has that business face though that I like. You know what I mean? Where he looks. You like don't a want to mess bit, with him. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, like you Not enforcer, uh, but. Bobby has that too a little bit. I mean, his biceps aren't as big as Bobby's, but that's like comparing, you know, uh, to yourself to Zeus. Because how are Bobby Wagner's biceps so big? It's insane. Yeah, they're like most people's (laughs) legs. Yeah. Oh, man. I love... Oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm so (laughs) excited about the back seven of this defense. And I know that I have... I'm just going to keep the faith. There's one more guy coming in, either a DT or a DE, that will just kind of round out the rotation. Um, You know, there's an article today that said PJ Johnson might be that guy. (laughs) Uh, okay. sure, sure. I, I don't care who it is. Sure. If you think it's PJ Johnson, I'm, I'm in, I don't care. I, we, they just need one more like kind of rot- really good rotational piece or a guy that can get like five or six sacks, you know, just a, a, a guy that can come in and do that. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm probably not LJ Collier. Don't, if we're, if we're really relying on LJ Collier, I'm, we're in trouble. <laughs>
0: Nathan you just hit on something that Adam and I are going to be talking about I think extensively on the next episode of the Seahawkers podcast and some of this some of this preseason hype on certain players is way over the top and and PJ Johnson he falls into that category
1: (laughs) come on man PJ Johnson hype train let's do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) you may not want to listen to this episode then if you're on the PJ Uh, Johnson hype train
1: (laughs) I I'm not I just I I I just used it as an example of uh that we need one more guy, yeah. Because we we need a, we need another guy to just come in and kind of finish out the rotation. It's, it's a little, it looks a little thin. But all, is Alton Robinson hype train? You know, you done that one? I, that one I can at least get
0: behind a little bit. But there's some that are way all over right. the top. So uh, and I think uh, DJ Dallas falls into that category. You want to uh, you want to fun Alton Robinson fact? Oh, let's hear it.
1: He has first percentile hand size which <laughs> for for defensive ends. Very small hands.
0: Oh, so uh, on the so yeah, first percentile small hands. Okay,
1: yeah, the the smallest at his position. Him and Marquise Blair both uh, first percentile hands club. Wow. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't know how to. I don't really know how to feel about that. It's just a. Uh, I mean, can, at like, least you're not him. And <laughs> the the joke in the Discord is they can reach through your pores and pull out your your soul. Or <laughs> I don't know. They're so small. But uh, yeah, it's it's just weird. That's an Alton Robinson fact right there.
0: He's Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest. Nathan, what do you guys got coming up this week?
1: Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, a little bit of gambling. I'm going to go go through some over unders and stuff like that, and then so we'll see what what the what the what Vegas thinks about the Seahawks, and then maybe what we think comparatively.
0: I have a gambling tip that I've just been locked and loaded. Just getting ready to give up. Hit for it anybody who wants it. Uh, you know what are the chances that we get sixteen full games? So why don't you just bet the under on all of these stats?
1: So actually, one thing. to Did think Vegas about, already
0: think about that? Probably.
1: If you f- it people love to bet overs, overs are fun. Overs are exciting. If you just bet every under with the same amount, I think last year you would have won like a little under sixty percent of the bets. You would have won like fifty nine forty one, which is a huge money maker right yeah. there. So so yeah, you could just bet all unders twenty dollars on every single under. But I. I would guess they cooked it in a little bit. I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of reasons that the C, that the NFL is going to uh, play 16 games this year. They're all financially related. And if you think that the NFL cares about player safety, well, um, they don't, <laughs> they, they've shown time and time again, that player safety is secondary to money and they're going to play the games. I'm not saying that I agree with that necessarily, but that's just the facts.
0: What, so what's the fun thing that you guys are getting you, at the end of the show? You guys always have you have something oh, uh, dialed in for a movie talk.
1: Yep. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say this. All right. We're watching a movie. I don't It's like a, it's like going to be so surprising that people we're going to watch a movie called Velocipastor. <laughs> what? It's about a pastor who becomes a velociraptor to uh, fight crime. I, I don't know. Another to Kevin
0: Smith uh, similar to Tusk.
1: No, no, no! It's extremely low budget. I'm just here. Let me just tell you that in the opening scene of the movie, there's the Velosa pastor. He's a pastor still at this point. You know, he comes out of his out of his church and he's like, "Hi, parents!" You know, he's like waving to them, and their car blows up. And then it just has a a blank sc- uh, screen, and they said, "Where?" And then where the car should be, there's a square, and it just says "CGI of car burning" or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like extremely low budget. So nice. it's it's like uh, it's it's like more of those uh. It's a cult classic. I think it, maybe people don't know about it now, but like five years from now, this is going to be one of those weird, like uh, low-budget movies everyone watches. Now now you have me intrigued. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nathan Santo, check out the Seahawks Nest. Subscribe to the show where you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to this show, SBNation.com slash NFL Podcast. And I will be back later this week talking more Seahawks. Until then, go Hawks.